Next, we'll have the reading of our scripture this morning. It comes from Luke, second chapter, verses 1 through 5. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Carius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Amen. Uh, I'd like to apologize this morning to our worship leader and also to our church administrator. Um, I will not be speaking on peace this morning. I will be speaking on faith, and the candle is the candle of faith. So when I get there, you're going to say, what's that guy doing? The bulletin says peace, the worship leader said peace, and the candle was peace. And Brian, you ain't talking about peace. I'm just letting you know now I'll be talking about faith. That's my fault that I did not communicate with him about um, what I see is the, the, the um, candle lighting for Advent. So my apologies to both of you. Uh, that was my fault. I'll make sure I uh, do better next Sunday that you know what candle I'm speaking about so there's no confusion. So my apologies to you. In addition to lighting the prophecy candle, or candle of hope, symbolizing the prophets who foretold the birth of the Messiah, we also light the Bethlehem candle, or candle of faith, remembering Mary and Joseph's journey to Bethlehem, a journey that may have taken a week for them to complete, averaging two miles an hour, they were speeding, 12 miles per day in six hours of travel. I listed a possible route because really nobody knows, but I'm just going to go over the route with you. On day one, they went from Nazareth to Bethshean. Day two and three, Bethshean through the Jordan River Valley, and they chose the Jordan River Valley for the following reasons. There they had water food to eat, and they were safe from the Samaritans. Being pregnant and unmarried, most likely, they were not accepted by their relatives or in the villages. Where were they to go? What were they to do? They were already outcasts. Day four, the Jordan River Valley to Jericho, north of the end of the Dead Sea. Day five and six, Jericho, the north end of the Dead Sea, to Jerusalem. It probably took them two days on this journey. The entire journey was going uphill since the Dead Sea is the lowest place on the earth and Jerusalem is in the hill country. On day seven from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. This would have been the shortest part of the journey, five miles downhill, passing by the city of David, which lies south of Herod's Jerusalem. After such a hard journey with no one to help them, no one to comfort them, seemingly God forgetting them, Mary delivered the King of kings, the Lord of lords, in a lowly manger. What a journey of faith Mary and Joseph must have taken. God spoke to both to take this journey, a journey that would break a mother's heart. In Luke chapter 2, she comes across this person named Simeon who says what's going to happen to the child. And part of what he says is, Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Could you imagine that? You're on this journey, you go to saying, I'm about to have a son. And somebody come up to say, and say to you, 
your son's going to go through turmoil, going to go through hardship. He's going to suffer and he's going to die. Yeah. Have God say that to one of us, man, we'd be a little upset. But he said, this is what's going to happen to your son, your only son. But in the end, I'm going to save the world through your son. In John chapter 19, verses 26 and 27, I'm going to read it. This was when Jesus is on the cross. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. Yet during this journey God provided for Mary and Joseph. He gave them direction. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20, I won't read the scripture for you. But remember now, Mary has told Joseph she's pregnant with child. Joseph was going to divorce her, take her away privately so nobody knows what was going on. But he didn't do that. He waited and God said, listen, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what's happening here is through me. And I'm leading this and I'm guiding this and I'm going to give you the direction. So I want you to take this woman as your wife and do what I'm asking you to do. And she's going to have a son and you will call his name Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. Don't worry about it, he says to Joseph. Go ahead and take her. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 19, it says, When Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel. For they are dead which sought thy young child's life. And he arose, took the young child, his mother, and came into the land of Israel. He was guiding them all along the way. Remember, Herod wanted to kill the baby. Joseph and Mary didn't know what to do, but God gave them direction in their lives and helped them and guided them through what he wanted them to do and how they were to get through it. He not only gave them direction, but God gave them provision. Matthew, Matthew chapter 2. When they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This would have been the Magi who come. Now, everybody says they gave it for his death, for the time of his death was what this thing was given for. But nonetheless, God provided for them to do what they needed to do to follow the will of God. In Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, speaking about Jesus' ministry, it says this, And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout the city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom seven devils were cast out. Johanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod Stuart, and Susanna, and many others which ministered to him of their sustenance. In other words, in their lives, in their jobs, they had accepted Jesus saying he would be the Messiah. And they took all the things that they earned and they followed him in his ministry. He had to eat. He had to sleep. He had to travel. He had to preach. And these people that said, you are the king and you are the Lord, gave of what they had to him for the ministry that he was doing. So God provided for the family as long as they followed and served him. I think it's pretty cool when somebody gets saved. When somebody gets saved, they pretty much don't care about nothing in life but pleasing Jesus Christ. 
They'll throw it all down and give it all away and say, I love you and I want to follow you and I'm going to serve you no matter what. This is what these ladies did when they heard the Messiah speak and he says, who's, who's accusing you? And she said, I don't know. He says, go and sin no more. They loved him. They served him. They followed him. And through that, his ministry was provided for. But he also gave them friends. In John 15 and 15, Jesus says, disciples, I'm not calling you servants anymore. For now you know exactly what I'm going to do, what I have to do for the glory of Father. And now I call you friends. And you're now going to understand my life and who I am and what I want to do. And then after Jesus' death and resurrection, I do want to read Acts chapter 1. This is what the Bible says. When they were come in, they went into an upper room where abode both Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zealots, and Judas the brother of James. They all continued with one accord with prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus. And with his brethren. We don't know that her husband was still alive. But what you going to do? Your son is gone. You don't have nobody around. What are you going to do? But God gave her friends to help her out through the situation. Even though he was God in the flesh. Even though he was the Messiah. Even though he was the Lord, King of kings and the master of the universe. It was still in a way, this was my son. I raised him, I trained him, I taught him, I birthed him. She had to still be hurting watching her son go through all this, but God gave her friends to help her along the way. But most importantly, he gave them life. We all know John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 10, 10, the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. He is the Savior of the world and he gave them life right there in their own hearts. Just going through, living their lives like they wanted. And he come, he talked to them, and he ministered to them, and they were revived in their spirits to serve and follow him. Does he not do the same thing for us? God gives us direction. It's in his word. Everybody says, I want to know the will of God. I want to understand who he is. How do I find him? How do I seek him? What do I know what he wants for my life? Get in his word. He will tell you how to live your life as a believer. You may not like it, but it's there. He calls us to live and do things a certain way, and we only know it through his word. The best protection we have in life is through his word. What not somebody thinks or how somebody feels, that can get you in a lot of trouble. You know, the feeling of love is kind of a nutty thing. You love certain things you shouldn't love, then you fall out of love with it, then you fall back in love with it. That's a feeling. But the word never changes. It stays true to what it is, and that is how you and I, we get our direction. He also gives us provision. Has he not provided for us? We have our jobs. We work hard at what we do. We have homes. We have cars. We have people around us. He provides for us in everything that we do. God is our provider. 
When you go to work, you do it for him and for his glory, and you allow him to bless that. When you give your tithe or your offering or whatever you're doing, that is a portion of your money, and maybe you struggle. But you're giving it to him for his glory, and he will take care of you, and he does it sometimes in weird kinds of ways. But nonetheless, he does it. He will provide. I'm just telling you, when I got out of the United States Army making $3,000 a month, you had great health insurance and you had all that. Amy would say, uh, where are we going to live? Don't know. I got a job. I made a whopping $5 an hour at my job. $5 an hour. I made $338 every two weeks while Amy's giving birth to two boys. Going to Bible college full time, working full time, but God provided for us. Now, Amy's a slickster. She worked at a pharmacy. I forget what the name of it was, but somebody tried to rob her at the pharmacy. They pulled a gun on her. When the robber turned around, Amy followed the dude at the door and then called the police. I said, what are you doing? But, you know, that's the way she was. She was strong in her faith. You ain't robbing me here. You ain't got away with the watch or whatever you got. But he still provided for us. He still watched over us. Even in that crazy job that she had, it was a way for him to provide for us. Has he not provided for you? Are you not blessed this morning? Has he not looked over you, watched over you, protected you, and helped you out in your life? But he also gives us friends. He gives us good, godly friends. Just as an example, when we went back to East Coast Bible College... Uh, with our boys we had one neighbor who always wanted to watch the boys every day and always bought them christmas presents they didn't know me from adam but we was all going to bible college together then we had the guy up the street his name was jeff paget jeff and karen paget took care of us he had his own business if i needed some work he gave me some work he took help take care of our boys they watched over us now i did things for him if you ever got to meet him, his wife would say one of the things I did was redneck their boys. We went to tractor pools. We went to demolition derbies. They, they weren't used to that kind of stuff. But we sure did. What's a demolition derby? What's a tractor pool? He started painting my car. But my point is, he gives us friends. He, he always gives us friends. Does he not give you friends in your Christian walk with him? People around you who will help watch over you, who will help protect you, and will help you out in your life. He gives you good, godly friends that in your pain and in your struggle, it's his own way of saying, I am here for you. Now, a lot of times a good friend really can't do nothing for the hurt and pain. Honestly, can we? There's no word sometimes that we can say. But I think sometimes just being there, just being around and saying, I'm here for you, man. If I got to walk a mile with you, I'll walk the mile. Whatever I need to do because we're brothers and sisters in Christ, we are friends. That's what God gives us to go through our trials and our tribulations. Most importantly, Jesus Christ, he gives us life. I'm so glad that he saved my soul. I'm telling you, everything changed for me in one moment. I just saw all kinds of things different. I just, I love that he touched my heart. He touched my mind. And when you've experienced that, it's just like he cleans you out, man. In just one moment, he just cleans you out. He says, I've made you truly free. 
What are you going to do with that freedom? He gives us life and he gives us life more abundantly. He just keeps touching us and blessing us and moving us and leading us and guiding us. Our journey, as messed up as it may seem, and our journey can be really messed up at some times. It's not an easy journey, but it's God's journey for our lives. He calls us. He touches us. He put trials in our way. He brings us through things. It's his will for our lives. And in this journey, we are to have faith. We are to have faith even when we don't see or understand what's happening. Hebrews chapter 11, 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In the whole book of Hebrews, he started out this in Hebrews 11, 1. He's saying how the elders or the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, how they had faith. And the first thing he says, we understand how the worlds were formed, how God created and made the world. This is the initial thing of faith, how he done it. There's all kinds of scientists and astronomers and doctors who are very smart people. They read these things and they said, I had to know that there was a God because of the way things were made were so awesome. It only had to be a God to do it. And they believed that and they accepted Christ and the world opened up to them. We must have faith in him on our journey in life. We must trust him. We must believe in him. Even when we don't see or understand what we're going through, we must trust him. In this idea of faith, we, have, we witness the goodness of God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Mary and Joseph didn't know what they were doing or where they were going necessarily, but they were blessed in it, and God rewarded them along the way. God rewards us along the way, and we see his goodness, we see his love, and we see his mercy. If we'll just trust him and follow him and serve him, he will work it out. Through faith, we experience power. What shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephite, David also, and Samuel, other prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned flight the army of the aliens. God shows his power and his mercy through these things that we go through. These men of the old, they done it. It also gives us power to go through the trial. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonments. There's some who God used to defeat the enemy. They just went right over the enemy because they believed and trusted him in that way. Others said, we're not going to do it. We're going to have to die in faith, not seeing the promise. Abraham was one of those. He didn't see all the nations be blessed. But God said, through you, all the nations of the world would be blessed. In the New Testament, many disciples died for their faith. Most of the apostles, they died when they accepted Christ. When they said, you have a choice. You can get up right now. And say that Caesar is your true God and we will let you live. And they said, no. Let me suffer with Christ and his people a little while before I do that. 
God gives us the power to go through every trial. And he gives us a way to move through that trial. He gives us a way to escape out of that trial. But we have to be willing to trust him and work with him as he moves through us. This idea of having faith gives us power to trust the risen Christ. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God at the throne of God. Ultimately, we look to Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. I remember when he was, I was saved and filled the Holy Spirit in Korea, I wanted to be an evangelist. An evangelist hasn't made in the shade. They get to come in, preach, tell you how bad you are, miserable, and everybody's going to hell. Then they get to leave. And then the next Sunday, everybody comes back to the preacher. What kind of evangelist was that telling me I'm going to hell and all these bad things? And then the preacher has to heal the people and do all that. I thought, that's a good gig. Go tell everybody what they're doing wrong. I'll get out of Dodge. But no. Here I got put in a bad situation to pastor these people. And I started crying. I said, God, I'm not equipped to be a minister. There's no way I can teach or preach to your people. I, I just don't understand what's going on. That's when he called me back to Bible college. Not knowing where we were going. Not knowing where we were going to live. Not knowing where, how we were going to save. But he called me. And he moved me. And he touched me. We have to trust his leading and guidance. He don't show you the whole picture in your life. God don't do that. He don't say, here's the end of it, man. He just says, here I am, touching your heart. Do you believe me? Yes, I do believe you. Will you trust me? Yes, I will trust you. Now let me move you through this situation. Step by step, little by little, time by time. What's really disheartening to me is, had I known I would be here today, I wouldn't have been such a crybaby in the trial. You know what I'm talking about? When you're in it, you're kicking, you're mad, you're screaming. Why are you putting through this? Do you hate me that much? What have I done so bad to you? Do you hate, why are you treating me like this? I see all these other great men doing all this wrong, and you give them not just churches, but big old churches. I've not done any of those sins. What are you doing with me? He said, you're a knucklehead. Just follow me. Just trust me. Just serve me. He knew what was in my heart. And he was leading me and guiding me. But I didn't see the whole picture. Because if we saw the whole picture, wouldn't we be happy all the time knowing that we're going to get to where we want to be? Kind of like retirement. If you were smart and you tucked it away when you was young, you know when you get old, hey, we're going to travel all over the world, baby. I got a million point five in the bank. We're out of here. But when that market crashes, you don't know where you're going now. The million five went to five dollars in the bank. But you've put away knowing and believing that you're going to live good. Right? That's what the life of faith is. We're following him. We're serving him. Bit by bit, little by little, we want to follow him. We want to serve him. We want to trust him. But we have to believe in him. This is what Mary and Joseph did when he gave them direction. He said, yes, I'll follow you. Everybody around him thought he was a sinner, miserable, rotten man for taking this woman. Yet God said, just trust me. Just serve me. Just follow me. They thought Mary was crazy. This is the son of God. You're going to watch your son go through all this misery, all this trial, all this temptation. He says, just trust me. Just serve me. Just follow me. Because the end will be great. He don't show us the end. He just guides us to where he wants us to be. On the second Sunday of Advent, 
May the light of the Bethlehem candle strengthen your faith in Christ and help you to withstand any trial along the way as you share the good news of a babe born on Christmas Day who changed your life forever. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord Jesus, I do thank you that we have an example of Mary and Joseph in a very messed up situation, believing you and trusting you and serving you and doing what you asked. May we have that same kind of faith when we don't know and we don't understand and our own lives seem to be messed up and jimmied all around. May we just simply trust you, serve you, and follow you. And may the Holy Spirit burn in our hearts to share with others what Jesus Christ can do in one's life when they accept him as Lord and Savior, the change that you make. Lord, may you be glorified in everything we say and everything we do. Thank you, Lord, for the Advent season to refresh us and to help us grow in you and serve in you. Now hear this prayer, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.